0: Welcome to Disco Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon. In this episode, we have Matteo Franceschetti, co founder and CEO of 8 Sleep, an innovative sleep fitness startup that's raised more than $60 million in venture capital from the likes of Founders Fund, Casa Ventures, and other top VCs. In this episode, we go through how this company got started, what they do today. Why Mateo decided originally to go through Indiegogo to launch 8sleep, and what the initial version of the product looked like, the team behind 8sleep, the challenge they had in really manufacturing the first 8,000 units and going from that to then more consistency in terms of their manufacturing, Mateo's advice around getting through difficult times as a founder, the product lineup today, and really the tech behind what they've done, which is incredible, how Mateo approaches growing eight sleep today and what really helps him take this company to where it is and his own health stack so his sleep nutrition exercise habits we go through that as well go through why you should sleep at the same time each night his opinion around naps i'm a big fan of naps take one every day if i can and also using regret minimization framework to help you guide your decisions all of that and much more in this episode as always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You'll get links to things mentioned in the episode. Also, you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over in Apple Podcasts. I'd really appreciate that. Without further ado, here is Matteo Franceschetti, co founder and CEO of Eight Sleep. Matteo, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah appreciate you taking the time. And as I mentioned before we chatted, I'm so excited to, to talk about Eight Sleep and this, this company. And for the few people who maybe aren't familiar, what are you doing with Eight Sleep today?
1: Yeah, we develop a technology. We are the, the first sleep fitness company and we develop a technology that can improve your sleep. We help you fall asleep faster get a more deep and REM sleep and uh, in general have more restful and efficient sleep quality.
0: We will definitely go through kind of the different products and everything as well. But I'd love to go back to the beginning, because that's always, for me, fascinating. You see companies now and understand where they've taken things. But going back to the early days is is, is fascinating to me. So for you then, how did this company get started in the first place, Mateo?
1: Yeah, everything started because of two reasons. First, I have always been an athlete. Uh, When I was a teenager, I was a, a tennis player playing tennis tournaments and ski races. And then I got into motorsport. So I have always been very, uh, I I always paid a lot of attention to my recovery. And then five years ago, I was the typical entrepreneur working long hours until (laughs) late in the night. I was trying to understand why do I have to sleep eight hours? Can I sleep less? Can I compress my sleep? And I started looking into that. And then I started wondering why Elon Musk is taking me to Mars and I still spend a third of my life on a piece of dumb foam. Uh, why there is no technology in, in a third of my life. And, and I said, okay, let me fix that.
0: How did you decide to go the crowdfunding
1: route? It honestly, it was a time in 2015 where you know, Kickstarter and Indiegogo were not really... There was a, sort of, uh, a lot of attention around that, in particular for hardware companies. So it was really the most logical way to prove uh, um, demand for, for the product. And so since day one, we, we say, look, let, let's do that and let's see if someone cares about our vision.
0: To that point, was there a sh- certain threshold that you really thought you needed to hit to make this a reality and actually actually pursue this?
1: Yes. Um I, I think, so obviously we have set a goal that was much lower than what we have achieved. At the end of the day, in pre-orders, we got around 8,000 units in pre-orders. So it was, way, uh, it was way better than what we projected. I would say if we would have sold 1,000 units would have already been phenomenal. Then obviously when it's time to raise money, it's, it's never enough. And so VC's <laughs> will always ask for more and more or they will have concerns. But I would say 8,000 8, units in pre-orders uh, uh, was a pretty good achievement.
0: Yeah. And from that as well, I mean, what was the initial version of 8 Sleep? Because you have a, a few different things now that the technology is really advanced. But in the early days, what was that first version?
1: Yeah. And it's a great point. What we sell today is is different from what we had at the time. And it was part of the same roadmap. But the bottom line is we started with a mattress cover that was able to, to track your sleep seamlessly uh, while you're sleeping and make also your bed smart. The reason why we started there was that we needed to develop all the algos and the sensors for data tracking to then develop the current product that is based on thermoregulation. Essentially, thermoregulation is the game changer for your sleep quality. Through temperature, we can help you fall asleep faster, get better sleep. But to be able to do that, we need to have very accurate sensors that can adjust the temperature based on your biometrics and sleep stages. And so we had to start with that product. And then um, we raised our uh, round uh, in in late 2017 led by Cosla that gave us the money to really build the correct technology.
0: And for us as well, obviously, you're mentioning the way behind this. Who did you start this company with and how did you bring on such experts on this? Because obviously, with, with sleep and the things you're doing, you need some, some expertise. Uh, who's the team behind us early on?
1: Yeah, so um, I have obviously co-founders. Um, right now, there is Max, who is uh, um, also our CTO. He's, he's the, the tech geek who can build <laughs> anything uh, at super uh, fast speed. And then there is um, Alexandra and she runs marketing and growth. So all that you see in terms of branding and also in terms of sales um, happens because of of her and and obviously the the team. Um, Right now we are a team of 50 people and we have people focus on hardware, people focus on ML, AI uh, for all the data part. People focus on the software and digital experience, operations and then um, growth.
0: And, and with this team, you obviously were able to build, build from early on to actually fulfill those orders, which can be a nightmare for people. I know I talked to the co-founder of Super 73 and, and fulfilling those orders was, was so challenging early on. in mention an actual physical product. For you then, how was it fulfilling those first 8,000 or so orders in the early days?
1: It was really, really tough, <laughs> <laughs> really tough. Uh, I mean, just to give you an idea, I had to, to move to China for some months. Um, I, I left with a one-way ticket just to go there and, and fix it. And wow. I didn't know when I came back. So one day I went to my wife and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving to, for China. I'm going to go there to fix what's happening. And she said, fine, when do you leave? And I said, tomorrow. And she said, when do you come back? And there was no answer. I said, once I have fixed it. And, <laughs> and so I, I came back a couple of months later.
0: Wow. Take me through that, hold on, that conversation, Matteo. What yeah. is that conversation like when you're telling her, oh, yeah, I might be gone for a while? Like, what was yeah. that like?
1: My wife knows me, and, and, and so she, she knows how my brain works. And so <laughs> if I have something that needs to be fixed, I need to fix it. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, I could be physically there, but mentally, I wouldn't. And, and she knows I'm, I'm really passionate about what we're doing here. So I, I take that as a mission. And I went there and, uh, and 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 I think I fixed it. Uh, obviously, not alone. It's always a, a but
0: <laughs> yeah. What was the problem at the time? Just curious. Um,
1: we we didn't have a supplier at all. We didn't know anything about China, and trying to manage that remotely was not really working. We didn't have the expertise to really uh, even set a realistic timeline uh, of what we should happen when. Um, and so was really you know, the the ABC of, of manufacturing. So identify the suppliers because it's not only one. We we had a pretty complicated product. Identify negotiate the payment terms. Uh, um, build the line that can build the product that doesn't break, and and put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And so we found first a consultant that was helping us there, and we started spending really. 14 hours a day in a car, going yeah. to visit different manufacturers. It, it was a really interesting experience because their culture is very different. And so you go in these, in these rooms where they receive you, uh, they, they, they start smoking, they offer you tea, and then usually if it's in the second part of the day, they want to have dinner with you. And, and so it's not an efficient process. Yeah, uh, You really need to dedicate time because otherwise it would be really rude in their culture. Um, and so you really see three manufacturers a day, but we went through like, I don't know, 40 and yes. and that is just that one. And then you need to visit them again. And so it takes time.
0: <laughs> from, from that as well, then, so you were there a few months in China, but you ultimately ended up obviously delivering uh, almost 8,000 units. What fueled the growth from there in those early days? So you had the Indiegogo, which gets um, some press, I, I imagine. What fueled the growth from eight
1: at that point? So the crowdfunding campaigns are really tricky because on one side, there is not this early excitement. Oh, we sold all these units. No, the thing is going to be great. But after the campaign, uh, sales flat out until when you ship. And so because it takes a lot of time to then really build that hardware product, you go through I don't know, almost a year um, with very limited sales. And there is almost... Nothing you can do to accelerate it because there is no product in the market, right? And so if you make the mistake that you start putting together a growth team at the time, no they 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 just start losing interest after some time because there is nothing to talk about. You know you cannot even give units to to anyone. So that is one challenge. The second challenge is that you have to build 8,000 units. <laughs> that going from zero to 8,000 is insanely difficult and not just to manufacture, but also to build a product that is solid and reliable. Yeah. And then once you have shipped the 8,000, you substantially start from the regain and you start selling 10 one month and then 12 and then 15 and then 20, right? Obviously, the numbers are not exactly like that, but even if you sell 100 units in the first month, it's a good achievement. You build 8,000. And so the whole supply chain uh, cracks because you have to build something for eight thousand units, but now you really need 200, 300, 400 a month, um, and so obviously the manufacturers don't like that. Yeah, um, and the whole supply chain you have put together needs to be readjusted, but in 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 a smaller version.
0: How did you go about that then?
1: It was painful because. Um, I mean, probably the manufacturers had more experience than us and, and they were expecting that. Um, but usually when, when you build a, a product, you have different lines. And so maybe at the time, I don't remember the exact number, so let's use random numbers. Maybe we had 10 lines, sure. and then you have to scale down to one. And so it, it's just a matter of you know, or, or organizing the team and being upfront front with, with the manufacturer. But obviously, it's not that there was all this experience at the time. Now, five years later, we have amazing people on board that they know this, plus <laughs> we, have, we have learned it the, um, the, the hard way. The issue you have is manufacturers, they don't even want to maintain a line ongoing if it does not um, build enough products. And so the other tricky things that happens when you have a small, small number of units is that the manufacturer says, you know what, I'm going to build a thousand for you. And then I shut down the line when you need another thousand, you tell me because they want to use those people for, for other products. Right. And so at that point, you need to come up with projections. And you need to be fairly accurate, which you cannot be because you don't have data points at the beginning of the company. And the other issue is they want to build a thousand units today, which means they want the money today for something that maybe you sell 100 units a month and it takes you really 10 months to, yeah. to sell. And so then you also have cash flow problems.
0: From that then, understanding that situation, you mentioned the, the raise you did with Casa Ventures. How did that change things in terms of raising that, that funding from them? Because I know you raised over a period of time, a number of different times. But from that point then, how did that evolve the business?
1: Yeah, so by the time we, we raised the money from KV, we already figured out most of, of this stuff. Um, and, um, and so the money that we raised on one side, it, it gave us a lot of credibility in front of our manufacturers and in front of our partners And most of the money was really used for product development to really develop the current technology, the pod with thermal regulation. We yeah we raised multiple times right, so we have raised over sixty million dollars so far in different rounds from cross ventures, White Combinator, Founders Fund. Um, Obviously, an hardware company is quite price. um, It's 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 what you know requires a lot of money. Um, yeah. because you have all the supply chain that at different points in time uh, might require more money than than what you are generating with revenue because you are building today something that you will sell in three months uh, or six months from now.
0: On that note as well with the investors, you, you mentioned early on, I mean, really the first sleep fitness company. How did those pitches go early on when you're pitching this company as a sleep fitness company? It really wasn't a thing. How did that go early on? I'm curious.
1: Yeah, like no, no, no. And then after Indiegogo, yes, yes, yes. And then <laughs> no, no, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> they saw <sell> some product. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Well, what was the pit I mean, how did that evolve? You're just saying, hey, we're we're selling units, this is where our, our grand vision is. I'm just curious as to that because especially when you're a leader in a space, sometimes people just don't get it. I'm curious as to how you kinda of went about that or you know, got the really well known obviously VCs on board.
1: Yeah, obviously, I mean, over the you know, the course of our history we we got if hundreds, if not thousands of no's. Yeah. Um, it 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 varies because it was before Indiegogo where substantially no one wanted to invest. And then there was after Indiegogo where we were able first to get into YC and then also to raise a 6 million uh, seed round. And then uh, then there were delays with shipping the first units and it was a very tough year. Um, and so we were still able to raise our A, but uh, it, was, it was pretty difficult. Um, then things went really well the following year and then was when we were able to raise from KV, um, but obviously at that point after that, I think is when hardware started losing some hype in the Valley because a lot of hardware companies started being in trouble and then went out of business uh, yeah. They didn't deliver. And so very few investors wanted to touch hardware for, for some time. Um, and then we picked up again and then there was the the big trend of the peloton model with the subscription and all that and so if you didn't have subscription it was much harder um <laughs> but but then we introduced the concept of services and so that unlocked a new round um but is a is a roller coaster right um and and you need to be able to really ride the wave or just have such a strong uh, story and you no know, strong metrics where he's, he's, there are no doubts about your your opportunity
0: with with you then in your experience and obviously i'm thinking of the lens of other founders going through this process is there anything that was helpful for you to kind of mentally keep going when you're getting all these no's and uh you have this grand vision but people are saying no constantly anything that was helpful for you that might be helpful maybe for for other founders
1: i mean i have this rule since when i started being an entrepreneur then when you have a really bad week it means that a very good one is coming because mm-hmm. at the end of the day everything is you know it's some zero game and so you need to go through very tough moments to then have to have bright moments so the the bottom line is it's part of the game It's happening to everyone it's, it's, you just need to keep going yeah. um, and you know focus on what really matters so maybe Maybe that is the number one advice, right? So these moments are the moments to to listen to the feedback from, from the right people and to focus on what matters, which most of the times is just really product and your customers.
0: And on that note, product, I want to talk about the product itself because as we mentioned, it's, it's evolved from what it was in the early days and really what you launched with to some really interesting tech you have today. Take me through the, the product lineup today, what you have now.
1: Yeah a way some of our customers describe us that makes me really, really proud uh, is now they call us the Tesla of sleep. Um, so what we really, <laughs> and, and hopefully one day we will get there, but um, the, the, the bottom line is through thermal regulation, we can improve your sleep quality. And so we developed this technology that is called the pod. The pod comes in two form factors. One is a whole mattress. The other one is a cover that can be installed onto any mattress to make it smart and thermoregulated. The technology is based on two things. First, there are embedded sensors. So there are dozens of sensors in your bed and we can track everything about your health and your sleep. And then based on your biometrics, we adjust the temperature during the night to maximize your sleep performance. The vision that we have in, in five, 10 years from now is based on two pillars. First, we wanna compress sleep. What if you could sleep only six hours and get more rest than when you were sleeping eight hours. Yeah. The, the second thing is to transform your bed in a medical-grade device that can save your life. We will be able to let you know if you're getting sick. We'll let you know if you have sleep apnea, if you have COVID, if maybe you're going to have a stroke. And maybe even further than that, we will be able to scan your body every single night and let you know if there is anything wrong with your organs. That, that is what we are building.
0: I mean, it's so compelling when you think about someone spending six to eight hours, whatever it may be, laying still on some device every single night. There's a lot of opportunity there to to do things with the technology side. And and I had heard in a different interview that you, you said it really took you, I mean, like two years or so to develop some of the tech, especially around just making the beds cooler. What went into that? What were some of the, 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 the testing that went into that or just anything you could say around developing the tech that you have today?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it took us a, a, a couple of years just to, to build the second part, of the, which was thermoregulation. Then if you really look also at the sensor part, we're talking about five years. Yeah, um, It was a lot of engineering time, both on the hardware and the software. On the hardware, we had to really recreate and build all this uh, um, engine that is a thermoelectric engine that can heat and cool because each side of the bed can have a different temperature and the temperature can range between 55 and 100 degrees, slightly more than 100 degrees. Um, So it's a pretty big delta. Um, It needs to be quiet. It needs to be solid, right? Reliable. Uh, It needs to be Wi-Fi connected and it needs to be comfortable. And then on the ML AI side, we needed to be first to make all the sensors work, and so we developed these unique sensors that we that we are the only company in the world to have it. And then, based on the sensors, we then need to adjust the temperature. But then you start thinking, okay, how do I adjust the temperature? <laughs> and so there is a lot of you know, studies um, and um, that, that we are running uh, on our own or against medical-grade devices, or even in some of the largest institutions where we're running clinical studies to really validate the accuracy of our data and based on the data to adjust temperature. But it's something that doesn't exist, so there is no literature, um, there is no history about that. Is there is no right. clinical history saying that temperature improves your sleep. But no one knows if you should cool in this moment or heat or cool in deep sleep versus uh, thermal neutrality in REM, uh, and so we're really discovering that as as we go. <laughs>
0: With that as well, then on on that note, with really the studies behind this, I mean, I mean, how how are you going about that? Just more in depth of, of getting more of these more research done on this, or 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 promoting more research around around all of this to help, obviously, which helps the business. I mean, how do you think about that today in terms of how you how you use that?
1: Yeah. So on one side, there are clinical studies uh, that we run, and that is mainly to collect truth data to train our algos. Second, um, by you know, based on our data, uh, we, we just learned now that we have so many, you know, thousands and thousands of customers,
0: yeah.
1: um, our algos, they, they just learn based, based on that. And then we also have an amazing community of, you know, sort of beta customers that are open to, to test new features for us. Um, and then we involve doctors.
0: One thing as well with this, and thinking about, again, kind of a a newer, a new product, or really the first to to market in this space, how did you think about then pricing around this and how you wanted to strategically price the product? I mean, obviously, you know what mattresses cost, but this is a whole different type of thing. And the benefit, obviously, you can see from what, if people follow this at all, how do you think about the pricing around it?
1: Yeah, in a couple of different dimensions. So the first one is we want to give you a premium product. And so that means that now you will have to pay a little bit more, but we need to deliver value and premiumness, very similar to a Peloton or a Tesla. Um, second, we are ambitious and we have a vision in 10 years and things we want to achieve in 20 years. And so we need to build a solid business that is here to stay. And so we need to set the price in, in, in a way where we are able to have a decent good financials, right? Because Maybe one day, if we are lucky, we could be a public company, because that's yeah. the only way to be here in 20 years from now. And so if you really, if you really believe in our mission and in what we want to achieve, um, there is a premium connected to that. And the reason of the premium is simply to make the, the company work to, to then have a future
0: you mentioned the future side of it, and they, you know, people kind of understand where you're at now, at least what you have to offer, which is pretty incredible already. What are you thinking about in terms of the future? I mean, i do not really talking in detail or anything, but just in general about what you're going to be doing with with 8Sleep. I'd love just to hear more about how you think about that in terms of sleep and beyond.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, really excited about the future because we are already working on that, and, and we really want to control the whole environment for you. Um, and so we want to control from light, to noise, to oxygen, to humidity, air quality, everything as you sleep, because that is how we will compress your sleep. And so obviously there is the current pod that has a form factor and and you can immediately you know, buy on 8sleep.com. But I would say we are at 2% of what we want to achieve um, in the next 20 years. Um, and we want to really leverage the power of technology, the power of sensors, the power of ML, to again transform your 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 bed in a device that compresses your sleep and and save your life.
0: To that point, then how do you look at growth today, and how do you grow at this point?
1: Yeah, so we 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 grow a lot organically, uh, which is really good. Um, so a lot of people you know talk about us and, and their experience and they're really happy with that. And so that, that is great. And then obviously we use paid channels as a minority of our growth. And then we use now for paid channels all the traditional digital channels. Um, obviously growth is important because it's, not, it's, it's the only way you have to really raise money. You raise based on the current growth to pro-product yeah. market fit and then you raise based on, on on the product vision of what you wanna you wanna achieve. But you need both of them. Um, so growth is, is pretty strong and it's going pretty well for us. Um, and so I'm excited about the future.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I saw, and just in terms of, of content, how does that play a part? I know you said organic, and that, is that how people are, are hearing about you? Obviously, the, the current customers, but you have a blog. Obviously, you're tweeting a bit. How does that play a part into growth as well?
1: Yeah, I think it, it happens in a couple of different dimensions. First, you know, thanks to people like you, where I have the opportunity to really share our story. Yeah. And I think you know, some people, the, the right audience, might like our story. And, and our vision and say, these people are crazy enough that. <laughs> that I give them a <laughs> chance. Um, second, I, I try to be active on Twitter. Um, I think the tech Twitter is an audience that you know, understands our vision. Yeah. And they give us a chance. And then there is, yeah, this just word of mouth, um, which is different from the word of mouth you would have for an impulsive purchase. Because it's not the typical referral program where oh, like a Dropbox, uh, yeah. you, you get X bucks off if a friend joins Dropbox, right? We are talking about a much more expensive uh, product that can range from 1500 to 3000 right? So it's not yeah. an impulsive purchase. But at the same time, what we notice is people before spending 1500 bucks or more, um, they want to, to trust us. And the best way for them to trust us is by hearing from other customers that uh, um, we, we have their back. Yeah. And so that is why customer support is so important. And if you follow us on, on Twitter, you would see that people really love our customer support. We have 98% satisfaction rate with customer support. Um, and then they love the product, but they know that if there is a problem, we are we are there to have your back. And by the way, the product is great. Uh, 99.9% of the time.
0: Yeah, and, and with the product as well, then there's an app that goes with it. Tell me more about the, the app and kind of the technical side on that way where people are looking at their numbers and, and how that plays a part in this.
1: Yeah, so your your, your, your pod is Wi-Fi connected, so you can control your, your bed from wherever you want, uh, anywhere in the world. Um, and through the app, uh, you you can do a couple of different things. Obviously, there are the temperature settings, and you can do it manually or you could just trust us and we would recommend you the best settings for, for your sleep performance. So you might receive a notification tonight that your bed is suggesting to adjust the temperature to fall asleep faster, or that a new heat wave is coming and so you should change the temperature. Um, the, then there are all your metrics. So if you wanna know about your HRV, so your heart rate variability, about your heart rate, your respiration or, or your sleep, And then we also have this feature that is a thermal alarm. So we wake you up naturally through temperature and a gentle vibration, but without sound. And then we also offer content. So uh, meditation, breathing, and stretching exercises that you could do before or after uh, going to bed.
0: With this as well, I want to take a step back. And I know you do an interview interview series uh, called Health Stack that you have on your site and everything as well, which is, been pretty fascinating to read some of those uh because i'm always kind of curious i have an exercise sports science degree from undergrad and so uh, i've always been kind of curious more about these things for you what is your health stack today mateo
1: yeah i'm pretty obsessed with that so <laughs> let, let, let's break it down in three pieces so health is based on three pieces is based on sleep that is the foundation of health uh, and then you have nutrition and exercise so in terms of sleep um Right now I'm sleeping nine hours a day um, and I have seen all my biometrics improving since when I I moved from eight hours to nine hours. Um, I I take a hot and cold shower a couple of hours before going to bed to create the first thermal shock. I use blue wave glasses. Um, I use magnesium, uh, which helps to relax my muscles. Um, I use the Normatec uh, boots. They are compression boots. They they relax my my legs because I have restless legs syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, temperature in my bed is, is super important. And all the times I don't have my pod, I can't sleep. Um, <laughs> and pitch dark bedroom um, with uh, also the temperature of the air set at my at, at my preference. Um, I wake up naturally with our thermal alarm, so there is no sound, but it, it makes sure that I wake up always at the at the same time. I go to bed quite early, nine thirty, um, and I wake up at six thirty in in that range. Uh, so this is sleep. Um, then, in terms of nutrition, I'm on a keto diet. Uh, I fast almost every day. Um, so during the week I fast for 23 hours almost every day during the weekend I do the 16-8 um, and as a keto I try to reduce the amount of, um, of carbs I use levels uh, so mm-hmm. I monitor my glucose and I have a, a, now a clear understanding of what food is good or bad for me uh, in terms of glucose spikes and in terms of exercise I really focus on two things I focus actually three I focus on uh, heat so high intensity interval training uh weight training and then in the night before going to bed i do mobility exercises mobility exercises are really good for um when you will get old uh <laughs> in, in order to, to make sure that you know you have uh, all your mobility
0: it's funny no one no one really thinks about that when they're younger Mobility side of it. (laughs) You're like, oh, well, I can just do whatever I want all the time. And as the the ages creep up, you really do notice that more and more, like, I can't touch my toes or something else. You're just like, wow, what am I doing right now? Uh, Which is so crazy. Take me through the transition from you in terms of sleep from you mentioned eight to nine hours. And I know people who are there's a whole thing about sleep. We could talk for a while about that. But for you, why'd you bump it up or how'd you get to that point?
1: Yeah, it was uh, when COVID started in March and I didn't have to go to the office any anymore. And so I could save that uh, commuting time. I decided to try sleeping more and see how I was feeling. My HRV went up 14% um, and in general, I just feel even better. And so I can perform at a higher intensity during the day. So because I can't commute, the time that you no, know, I, I spend awake is substantially the same, except for the commute. But now I have extra power. I have an extra edge because I have more, more, more focus. Um, and at the end of the day, th- this is something that I always share in the interviews: is do this test. Sleep one hour more per day for a week. Yeah, that means you are sleeping seven hours more, which is substantially one night. And then uh, at the end of that week. You know, you you just tell me how you feel. And if you feel better, and I bet you will, then you already have an answer. So try to sleep more because uh, you shouldn't be focused on losing one hour as much as on the performance that you gain in uh, uh, the other 16 or 15 hours of the day.
0: With running a a sleep fitness company and you even launched this, you know, 2015 or so, how has your sleep changed from when you started the company to now? Has it changed? And maybe it hasn't changed that much. I'm curious.
1: It has changed because I became much, much more diligent. So things if you were talking to a sleep doctor, right, There are there is CBTI and uh, there is sleep hygiene, which are not these, these two big branches of how you should handle um, your sleep. And the bottom line is there are a couple of rules that are really simple and they have a major impact. Uh, the first one is um, consistency. You need to go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same times, always, every day, also during the weekends. So don't sleep in over the weekend because then Monday becomes terrible uh, because it's like if you're sending the signal to your body that you are in a different time zone. It's just not sleeping uh, for two hours longer than what you usually do. Uh, so that 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 is one um second obviously there are these behaviors that you can adopt before going to bed to you know start winding down a lot of us know uh, we have problems to fall asleep because our mind mind is racing and so how can you slow down then obviously temperature temperature is again the, the biggest factor 50 percent of the couples in the u.s they fight around temperature uh, because you know different people have different preferences because of gender because of age because of uh, metabolism because of fat percentage multiple reasons so pretending that you and your partner sleep at the same temperature is just wrong yeah Uh, pretending to sleep at a fixed temperature during the night is wrong Um, and the reason is you have a a circadian cycle and your body temperature changes during the night and so the temperature of your bed needs to change accordingly to really maximize your sleep performance these are some of the things. And then obviously I started getting into trying melatonin, the blue wave glasses, the, the Normatec boots, uh, the magnesium, and, and, and also the, the hot and cold showers.
0: Who do you follow in this space that you, you hear some things from? I'm just curious.
1: I mean, I, I follow a lot of people more in the concept of, I would say, performance and, and biohacking. Uh, on the sleep side, I just like to, to read a lot of um, studies. Yeah. And so I like you know, clinical papers. I'm really into, I'm really passionate about longevity in general. So I read a lot around that. Um, and um, and then I read about sleep and I read about uh, fitness in general. And, and that is how also the name Sleep Fitness comes from, because I think in In the 90s and in the early 2000s, um, sleep was seen like a a waste of time. But at the end of the day, you should think of sleep exactly like fitness, right? You go to the gym to take care of yourself and make sure you're fit and healthy. Think of sleep in the same way. So it's not that you're wasting an hour if you're sleeping one hour more. You are dedicating one extra hour to your health and to your body to then be at your best during the day. And if you start shifting, just the the perspective of sleep. That is, that is when you really start understanding that by taking care of that, your heart rate could go down. You might not crave junk food anymore. You will have more energy to train. You will have more energy to be laser focused during the day. And even just your mood, because of hormonal changes, will be better.
0: With this as well, I mean, this is maybe a little. It's still on sleep, but. What do you think about the naps? Obviously, you're talking about at nighttime, but what about, are you, do you nap or anything you heard about that throughout the day and how that plays a role?
1: Yeah, I would say naps are amazing, are one of the best things that, that you could do for your performance. And so the reason why you, you feel tired uh, at night and you feel more and more tired during the day is because of adenosine. Then adenosine builds up in, in your brain and, uh, and it creates a pressure. By taking a nap in the middle of the day, you reduce your adenosine levels. And that's a great trick to feel great in the second part of the day and still be able to perform at your best. So actually, one thing that I do is I drink an espresso, then I take a nap mm-hmm. for 30 yeah. minutes. And the reason is the, the coffee, usually it takes around 30 minutes to kick in in your body. And so, if you keep, you know, your your nap short, which is what you should do, because you don't want to get deep sleep or light sleep, or sorry, or, or REM. Um, by the time you wake up, is when the coffee is kicking in, and so at that point you will feel a super boost.
0: I'm a big fan of coffee naps. I will say the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take them almost every day, actually, uh, which yeah. is a routine I love. I, I'm I'm curious with with eight sleep then. Has this just ruined other beds for you? I mean, can you even like sleep on other beds after you've experienced this? Like, how does that go for you?
1: I, I struggle a lot. When, when I travel and I go in hotels, I really, really struggle because it seems to me to go back to six, no, the, the, the 1600s. <laughs> it's like if you were going in a car without AC. Yeah oh Jesus <laughs> and, and, and you have to you know to to move down the the window manually it's like saying, man what what the hell is this, <laughs> is this a car from the 60s um so I struggle a lot yeah
0: hard to go back after you've uh, experienced it i imagine and like i've been interested i've heard about it for a while and, and with this as well, just taking a step back as well, I'm curious as you as a founder, you've been doing this for five years, but you had another company previously as well. Uh, this company obviously has, has been pretty successful. What helps you invest in yourself as a founder mentally? You, I mean, as a founder itself. So I know there's the side of you know, learning more about sleep and, and those studies you mentioned reading, but what about how you invest in you know, leading your team and really building a company?
1: Yeah, I think I'm really excited about the opportunity. One, one thing that you know, we, we always talk about in our alliance is uh, we're really lucky to be working on, on a big problem because it's not just about sleep itself. It's really about health and longevity and living a, a longer and happier life. And so there are not too many companies in the world that have a mission that fulfills you. Um, that much, where you really know that you're having an impact on on, on the life of uh, hopefully one day millions of people. Um, and so I use this regret minimization framework that uh, Jeff Bezos is, is famous for. And, and if I fast forward myself to when I'm 90 years so old and I look back, um, I think the, the what we are building and the opportunity of what we are building is pretty exciting and, and is a a good use of my time.
0: Are there any particular books that have been helpful for you in your journey as an entrepreneur so far, Matteo?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lo- lo- lot of books. Um, I, I love uh, biographies, first. Uh, there are many that are interesting. Recently, I read The Almanac of Naval, which, ah, is, yeah. uh, which I, I, I love. Um, I'm reading these, these week meditations from uh, Marcus Aurelius. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, but yeah, I, I try to read probably a, a book per week. Um, and so um, I really push myself to, to self-improve um, the, the way I think and the way I learn um, every week.
0: On that note, I, I, when, as we kind of wrap things up here, what does your kind of daily schedule look like? You mentioned the sleep part of it, but take me through what a day looks like. I'd be really curious.
1: Yeah, so I usually wake up uh, around 6 thirty. Um, then I usually have uh, I have a tea first and and that is when I go through everything that happened during the night. Um, I check sales. That is not the best way to wake up, but I'm too curious <laughs> to know where did we close the previous day. Can't help um, it. <laughs> and so I answer Slack messages, all that part. I just want to make sure that there is nothing urgent pending. Then I read the news, um, in particular, Wall Street Journal, to just you now make sure I'm updated with all that is happening. Um, then I usually train, and by probably 8.30 is when I start my day. Um, if I didn't train in the morning, I try to go running in the middle of the day uh, for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, doing some sort of sprints. Um, if I already train early in the morning and I have time, it depends on the days um, I might take a nap. Um, and then usually around 7 is when I, I finish uh, to work, uh, more at the computer, more in the formal way. Um, and so then I cook with uh, with my wife or we go for a walk. and. Um, and then I read at night. Uh, that is when I read most of my of my books. Uh, so after dinner, I try to, to, to relax. Um, yeah, the, over the weekends, usually Sunday afternoon, is I start working again because it's a good time for me to catch up and prepare the week. Saturday is the one that I take uh, more off, I would say. I'm, I, I'm not really good at disconnecting, so I'm, all, I'm always on. <laughs> Um, but I would say Saturday is, is, is the day where I, I I try to take a bit more time for myself.
0: Yeah, from doing a couple hundred interviews at this point of founders, uh, it's it's hard to take any time like, completely off, like a day. But I have heard as well the Saturday from a couple, couple people now that really say that that's the day they take almost completely off, if not completely off, and then get back to Sunday prepping for the week again uh, ahead, which I think is a good schedule to have. And everyone has to find what works for them. But uh, yeah. I've tested it as well. It seems like that's, seems like that's the best way to go about it. Cause you're at the end of a week and then you get Saturday. Okay. That day is more so off and yeah, being prepared ahead of the week is always great. And, and as we are trying to wrap things up here, is there anything else you would say to other founders, other entrepreneurs, uh, you know, running, running companies just from your experience? I just want to give you a chance to say anything else you'd like to tell them.
1: I mean, I, I think what I would say is uh, there will be tough times, and it's just normal. So just keep going. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. Otherwise, someone else would have already done it. Um, just just keep going and and try to focus uh, on what matters. Most of the times, it's your customers and, and your product. Stay lean, because you will need money for unexpected things. Um, and and have fun, because it's, it, the fun comes through the journey. It's not the end point. It's not really a mountain where, or oh, when you will be at the peak of the mountain, and finally you will have all this happiness. <laughs> you need to find the happiness in the journey, and the journey is made by tough moments that then will unlock um, happy moments.
0: Matteo, where can people go to learn more about 8sleep and connect with you as well?
1: Yeah, check us out on 8 um, e i g h t, like the number eight sleep.com. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter on m underscore Franceschetti, which is my last name. It's complicated. So don't worry on, on our homepage on eight sleep.com. Uh, you, you can find the link to my, to my Twitter. I usually tweet mainly about eight sleep and, but in general about sleep, and nutrition, longevity, and fitness. So if you're interested into that, um, feel free to
0: follow me. Perfect. Matteo. thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today.
1: Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. If you want to follow along on the socials for all things Just Go Grind and with me as well, you can find Just Go Grind on Instagram and Twitter at Just Go Grind. You can find me on Twitter at JustinGordon212. Find me on Instagram, JustinGordon8. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.